Welcome Black Sheep, welcome South Asian women and femmes, welcome LGBTQ loves of all kind. My name is Roshni and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. I share my self-worth journey along with advice and tips for you. And I also have really amazing guests just like us who understand our backgrounds and where we came from so that we can get even more perspective on this topic. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, or get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. Welcome back to another episode of Becoming Enough. This is a guest episode featuring Anna from Anna with Intention. Located in central New York on the lands of the Haudenosaunee, Anna with Intention helps women find clarity, confidence, and strength so they can make better decisions that are in alignment with their soul. Anna blends the modalities of human design, tarot, energy work, and psychic mediumship in one-on-one readings, workshops, and events. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been following your content for quite some time. And like, I really connected with you too, through the tarot spreads that you would post, like almost every, I don't, I feel like you posted them on like a lot of like new moons or just astrological transits or changes. And um, I still don't know a ton about astrology, but like your spreads were a really great way for me to take something I know a lot deeper like tarot and kind of introduce that with astrology to learn more about what like transits or what changes were happening but also about what that meant for me and like it gave me kind of a lens to interpret what that season or moment in my life was going to be so those always stuck out to me and then from that I subscribed to your newsletter and then we eventually started chatting and so I've been drawn to your content and a lot of what you share and I've also feel like in our conversations, I didn't realize how much we had in common. But then like after speaking with you and um, just hearing some of your experiences and obviously what you do for a living or like, you know, with human design and with tarot and your events and stuff like I just am really inspired and excited to talk to you and to hear more from you. Um, So with that being said, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to the community? Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Um, I have been looking forward to this for a while. And um, yeah, I love that you love my tarot spreads. (laughs) I love them too. And every single one that I post is one that I try out for myself first. You know, I make sure that it's something that resonates with me because I know if it resonates with me, it's going to resonate with somebody else. And uh, yeah, for the first for the first year I was posting them, I was doing them pretty religiously, like every new moon, every full moon, every now and then with um, Mercury retrograde, if that was highlighted or Venus retrograde or something like that. But then this year, with everything I went through with my family and kind of the way we connected on a deeper level through some of the shared experiences, uh, I just wasn't 
feeling it anymore. <laughs> you know, I wasn't feeling like, like I did that. I did it for a year. I posted that consistently. And then, um, yeah, a lot of things shifted in my life. And I just said, I'm just going to make spreads when they feel really, really, really relevant for what I'm going through in my experience. And so uh, I just posted one yesterday, I think, or two days ago, that's um, a boundary spread. And, you know, we're in cancer season now. And cancer season is a lot about defining your boundaries and um, both exploring the shell that we put on ourselves to protect as well as allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to communicate what that shell is made of and maybe put on a different one, maybe take it off completely. So it's um, kind of more, I'm finding these more subtle through lines with these transits and things to bring out these themes. Um, more so than just the obvious, it's a new moon. Here's a spread for a new moon. Because they get to be repetitive after a while. It's like after a year of doing them, I don't know how many different <laughs> spreads I could come up with for the different moon phases. So now it's a little bit more, uh, yeah, my personal life experiences informing those. So thank you. And I really appreciate uh, taking them and using them. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Yeah, I I think what I love about them too is that they're so detailed and so specific. Like you find a lot of spreads online, but it's kind of just like, here's the outcome. Here's the question. Like a lot of just like very vague kind of things. And it's like, okay, we've all seen spreads like that. Like I know how to use a spread like that, but having these more detailed and like more intricate ways of looking at things or really specific questions for each card in the spread really spoke to me because it gave just a deeper lens to look at everything. But I'm also really intrigued with human design and what you've shared about human design. And I think speaking to you about it has made me realize like how expansive it really is and understanding ourselves and our path in this life. And I think especially for a lot of black sheep or a lot of people who um, just felt like they didn't belong for a long period of time. I think we have a difficult relationship with what is our path and where do I belong and what does this life mean for me? And especially navigating like the feeling of when you truly have some level of self-love, but then your life has always been hard. I think it it like clashes and you get frustrated and you're like, I love myself and I care about myself and I hold myself accountable and I do all these things, but why can I not catch a break? Like, why is life always so hard? Or why do I always feel so alone? And I think human design and what you've shared about it and just these little pieces with me help me and help just like anyone who's learning about it understand so much more about why things had to be a certain way or even looking towards the future or the present, like why your role is the role that it is or ways of understanding that it's not just about you and it's not just you versus all these systems, but there is kind of like a greater, um, I don't know, I don't know what the right word for is, but there's kind of a, a greater lens from which to understand all of these things that are, that are going on in your life. And so um, first, like, how did you get into human design at all? And what makes you so excited about understanding human design and also your black sheep experience. Mm. Oh, 
there's so much there. Um, well, I'll just, I feel like I should just share some of my experience from when I first heard about human design. Um, it was introduced to me by uh, my friend Therese, who kind of does, she does readings and she has her own business where she teaches the the language, the information of human design, as well as the gene keys, which is like a, um, it's like the child of human design. It was uh, one of the s- close students of the fellow who founded human design, Ra-Uruhu, his student, Richard Rudd, created the gene keys, which just takes all of the information to a much, much deep and even deeper level. And human design goes pretty deep to begin with, but it can be a bit, um, it really caters to the analytical mind, but it's also sending the message of don't, don't rely on the analytical mind. So it's kind of a funny, it, it, it has its own like cognitive dissonance built into itself, um, which that's life. But um, my first reading, my friend Therese told me about my, my type, my strategy, my authority, and a bunch of other things. But what, what hit me was, so my type is what's called a manifesting generator. And all my life, I've had this sort of distrust that has built within myself around feeling like I'm going to make the right choice when it comes to things that I get excited about, things that I want to do, because I want to do everything. I love everything. I want to experience everything. I want to learn about everything. I want to do everything. Um, But often I found if I say yes to something because I'm excited about it, maybe five minutes into it or five days into it, or $5,000 into it, all of a sudden I find, oh shit, I don't actually, I'm not really interested in this anymore. And and then it's like, oh, then what do you do? It's like, you've already invested time, energy, and money. And it's like, well, you don't want to quit because in our culture, quitting is looked down upon so much, right? That's some conditioning. But then if you stay with something that you're not passion about it into anymore then your energy is just going towards something that's draining you so it's this like ah so I often just never chose anything or I only chose the thing that seemed like the least in upfront investment or something that I knew I could get out of later which isn't a great way to live you know so she told me that I'm a manifesting generator and manifesting generators are here to try many things and find what we love and be, we have to allow ourselves to be free to release things when we are no longer lit up by them. And that can be something as small as buying a book, reading the first chapter, and then feeling that you feel energetically done with the book after the first chapter don't feel like you have to finish the book. It's okay. Find the next one. And, and this is, this is something that can be characterized in manifesting generators, but that doesn't mean that if you're not a manifesting generator, you can't feel these things, but it's just, it's our energy is just meant to really just go through all these different things, find the things that we're passionate about in each of them, release the other stuff that we don't want and then kind of mix it all together and create this unique new thing that is our particular flavor. 
Then from there, learning about my authority and authority in human design is basically the intuitive feeling you get in your body that lets you know that something truly is for you um, so that you can lean into that specific kind of feeling and process to make that decision. So for me, my authority is what's called emotional solar plexus. And this is rooted in the solar plexus energy center. And what's different about the emotional authority versus uh, to compare what's called sacral authority. Most, uh, not most, but quite a few manifesting generators and generators, another type, have what's called sacral authority. And the sacral center is all about knowing in the moment, gut response. You know, the, you know the phrase, go with your gut. That is classic sacral authority in the moment it knows it's either yes this feels good or no this doesn't and i'll just there's nuance here but just for the sake of <laughs> explaining how sometimes the no can be like a maybe usually if you hesitate that means your mind is starting to kick in and rationalize what your gut said so usually it's more just like oh i feel it in the moment that's it. That's yes. If you don't get that kind of feeling in the moment that feels like a yes, it's probably not a yes. And again, there's more nuance we could get into if you have gut health issues and you can't really sense into what your gut is saying because you feel sick all the time, that's going to be harder to then tune into that gut response. But again, there's nuance for days with all of this, but with the emotional response, or emotional authority, the solar plexus puts out what's called a wave, an emotional wave. And the emotional wave is kind of opposite from sacral, where the emotional wave does not know in the moment. It only knows over time as you ride your highs, your lows, and get to a nice neutral place. That's where you find clarity. So just to compare, sacral authority is clarity in the moment only in the moment. Emotional authority is clarity over time, never in the moment. I have a defined sacral and I have a defined solar plexus. The solar plexus though, the energy of it always overrules in like the hierarchy of the centers, it overrules the sacral. So it's particularly difficult when you have a sacral response in the moment that's lit up. Ooh, that sounds amazing. I'm excited about that right now. But then with the solar plexus, I have to then ask, okay, but emotionally, am I feeling really high today? Am I feeling really low today? If I'm feeling really high, that's going to influence my sacral response to want to say yes to everything. <laughs> and if I'm feeling emotionally low, that's going to influence my sacral response to want to say no to everything. So that's where saying, ooh, that sounds great right now. Can I let you know tomorrow? I need to check my calendar. I need to double check with my partner. You can give whatever excuse you want, or you can just say, can I just, just ask for more time? And it becomes this filter where I ask for more time. I sleep on it. I wake up the next morning. I'm feeling clear. My emotional wave is very neutral. That's when I revisit the question. How do I feel about this thing now? Have any other details unfolded since that opportunity came to me? And if I still feel just as excited about it, then, as I did in the moment, I might say yes. If I'm not sure, I give it another day. Or I wait until they come back to me again, because that's also part of the wave is it seduces 
the opportunities to come back to you if they're really for you. So you say, oh, let me think about it and put no timeline on it and then just wait. It's, a, it's part of the experiment. You just wait and see. And I'll wait two, three, four, five days. If that thing doesn't come back around, but in that time, a new opportunity or a new person or a new thing comes to me that would have been the same day and it's an even better opportunity, I might take that one instead. You know, it, it's, it's all that, that emotional authority is all about writing it out over time. So here's where the black sheep piece, I feel like comes in for me. When I learned about human design, dove in head first and feet first. I, of course, looked up all the charts of everybody I know. <laughs> and because you can look at charts and you can see, oh, now with this understanding, now I understand why my dad is this way. And now I understand why my mom is this and my brother and my son, and, and why I felt certain ways, right? I was the only person in my family that has a defined solar plexus. Every single other person in my family is either a generator or a manifesting generator, all with the sacral authority, the in the moment authority. Decide now. Why don't you know now? Answer me now. That was, that's, and everyone else in my family could do that, could give that answer in that moment and trust it. Go with your gut. For me, I don't know. I was always hesitant. I was like, because mm, sometimes it works and sometimes it definitely doesn't. And that fostered this mistrust within myself. And then later became this mistrust for my family, my, the people around me too, because the advice they were giving me was not true for me you know, did not work. So that's like one facet that kind of enlightened that for me. Now I can understand where that came from. <laughs> There's many other pieces too. We can dive into so many other pieces of this. And that's so fascinating. Like I never thought about comparing your chart to your family's chart, but I would love to know more information about my parents' chart and what um, their set up to, to be like, you know, and I know there's definitely quite a bit about my personality that's just so different from them. So to be able to see it kind of like on paper in like a very definitive way would be fascinating. Um, and I love that you just like had the intuition to do that because it seems like it definitely brought some clarity. Um, but that's something else I wanted to say about human design is I did work with a business coach. Um, she knew about human design. So she weaved a lot of that into coaching for business as well as understanding yourself and like how you work basically. And so knowing that I was a projector and that I do need a lot of rest and I can't just like go, go, go 24 seven, but that when I do get those creative bursts, like it's a huge sign to follow them because they're coming to me for a reason. Um, but I just wanted to say that human design has given me so much permission to just be myself and also to know myself. And I think that's the biggest thing that makes a difference and why I feel like a lot of black sheep should learn or take the opportunity if they're interested to learn more about their human design because not a lot of people have given us permission our whole lives like we've been told what to do or how to do it and who to be and regardless of what your personal human design is I still think that 
giving yourself that understanding and that permission and that freedom to say, this is how I'm set up to be. And I'm not going to force myself to be anything different. I think that is such a, like, it just opens so many doors for you to release shame and like release these like self-punishing things that we do that end up just holding us back. Right. Because like in life, we're constantly going through cycles, but the more that you ignore who you really are, the more that you're just going to keep going through that cycle until you learn the lesson or until you release the shame or until you just accept who you are without all this guilt and all this shame attached to it, you know? So having ways to just understand who you are, I feel like is massive. For sure. So oh, again, there's so many like pieces to everything you just said that I want to go in a million different directions. But um, <laughs> with the last piece you just said, so as a projector, projectors are usually the most likely to gravitate towards either human design or astrology or tarot, any like meaning making system, because the nature of the projector's aura is making meaning of the world around them in order to find the meaning within themselves. It's like the the idea of contrast. Um, Like comparison is a trap, but (laughs) like, I feel, I feel that our souls are here to experience the imperfection of the physical world so that we can understand the perfection of what it is to be part of the universe, right? The oneness of everything. We have to know the individual in order to know the oneness. So it's the similar, like the projector aura kind of has that um, like mechanic kind of built into it where your aura goes out and samples and tastes the auras of everyone else around you and brings that information back in. And the important thing is to not identify with that information and to take this information in with with awareness that that's what's happening and you can use that information to either protect yourself because when you take in information from someone who maybe doesn't feel good to you, you can walk the other direction. (laughs) You know, you can say, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to go this way, but you can also use that information to have compassion and even a wisdom about what that person is experiencing. And perhaps projectors are here to like really ultimately guide us all and um it can get you want to guide people you know all this stuff but you at the end of the day with your strategy you have to be invited to share that wisdom and knowledge because that there is this subtlety about consent that happens with when your aura is touching say mine it does it. You're not consciously doing it. It's going to do it no matter what you do. This is the nature of what your aura does. It's going to touch mine and, and get that information about who I am, what I'm feeling. Right. But then if you just come up to me and say, Hey, I sense that you're feeling this, I have this to help you. I'm going to be kind of like, uh, who are you? <laughs> Why did you just come up over here and try to offer this thing to me? I didn't ask you. That's the thing. I didn't ask you. That's where the invitation piece is. So I can go off on a rant about this for forever, but for projectors, the the actually best ally for you is to ask questions. So so your aura reaches out, senses this thing. If you want to engage and offer me the thing, you can come over and ask me, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) How are you feeling right now? 
um, what's happening in your life right now. That is now going to give me something to respond to, which is actually my strategy (laughs) is to wait to respond. Yours is to wait to be invited. So if you give me something to respond to, I may then offer you an invitation. And that's how this energy exchange happens in an amicable way. Versus if you just walk up and you say, I know what you need, here it is, that there's no invitation there. And there's, I'm now going to respond with, ugh, that doesn't feel good to me. Go away, you know? So there's this thing happening. That makes so much sense. And especially when I first started learning about me being a projector and what that means, that was so helpful to hear at the time because I feel like, especially being a coach or especially being like in a way, in like, I guess, a perspective where people would come to me to maybe ask for help, but also I have like a lens from which I'm constantly like observing others, right? Like I, like you said, my aura does that automatically, but then as a coach or as a person who works with very specific clients, like, like very specific client experiences, I guess, I feel like I'm always taking in all this information, but there is that shadow side to it where you can start giving like unsolicited advice, you know, or you can start like taking it upon yourself. And I think that's when projectors also start to feel very burdened is when like, you feel like you have to fix everyone's problems. And I can definitely notice a little bit of those Um, aspects in my shadows, which thankfully I've been able to kind of like steer away from. And now I don't feel so burdened by this need to fix everyone or this need to um, like tell someone something because I could make it easier for them or whatever I think, or whatever my thoughts are telling me. Understanding that and knowing like my, like you said, my aura or my, like, I'm just going to naturally do this. I'm just going to naturally pick up on things. And also like my main, um, ability, I guess is clear cognizance. So a lot of things just pop in and I just know things, or I just like pick up on things and I don't know where it comes from, but I don't really like just offer it out or spew it out. But I think Mm -hmm. before, especially being younger, it's not like I would it was either a battle between I keep everything inside and I don't share anything or I just like am fully transparent and I just kind of say all these things. And it really took a minute for me to navigate past my teenagehood. Like, okay, what does balance mean for me in this space? You know, and I think creating this career before I even knew any of this ended up like being such a crazy moment to look back and be like, wow, I created a job for myself or a role for myself where I can highlight all of my strengths without having to walk around being like just a regular person who's burdened by all these things and doesn't have an outlet for them that's appropriate you know so I think everything you said was so spot on so that's the beauty of having a podcast for you and really for anyone because when you so the, the idea of asking questions It's not just asking any old question, but really asking a question that inherently demonstrates how much you know. Because you could ask a question, say, in a group setting. You just, you want to know, you're asking this question, but the way you ask that question shows the other people, oh, damn, you're thinking about this on such a deep level. I didn't, I'm stuck over here still. So then those people are now going to come and invite you to share 
what you what you know, right? The other part about waiting for the invitation is you're not just sitting around on your hands doing nothing while you're waiting. You're actually honing your gifts and skills and then just showing people what your gifts and skills are. You're not pushing yourself onto others saying, hey, buy my program. Hey, come get a reading. Hey, you have to do this, this, this. You're not trying to pull people in. You're like casting lines almost and waiting for the bite. So it's like with the podcast, you're demonstrating your passion, your knowledge, your ideas, your questions, your answers, your intuitive hits, all this stuff, all this beautiful stuff that just channels through your throat. And Nobody is forced to listen to your podcast, right? You're not making anyone listen to it. I found your podcast because, oh, you had, you were, you were liking my posts, right? Um, and so I was looking at your profile. I saw your podcast. I listen to podcasts all the time. So I was like, cool, I'll add this one in my rotation. And I just started binge listening to your podcast. And now, now that invitation is there because what, what you did was you just channeled your truth and put it out there. And then I invited you in by willingly engaging and listening. So now the invitation is there. It's that's a really subtle nuanced way of looking at invitations. I mean, invitations can be like, I come up to you and ask you to tell me what you think, but it doesn't happen like that in real life most of the time, but it's this more subtle energetic invitation or like, like I said, you put your work out there and then I choose it or not. That's basically like an invitation. So now I've invited your energy into my sphere. And then now I'm going to respond to what I hear from your what you've put out in the work and then we engage and now we have this sort of now there's this open invitation you can message me at any time <laughs> you know I can message you at any time and it's open it's free-flowing versus like cold messaging someone you I mean I, I get those all the time from people with other coaching things all the time like if I just follow their profile because I like their content and then they just come at my DMs, I'm like, mm, not so much. That's not really an invitation. That's not really the same for me. So um, I want to highlight, I want to share my screen with you here real quick, because here's your chart. The piece about your mind is really highlighted in your chart. So you have these, the, the head center, the Ajna center, and the throat center all defined, and they're all connected through um, these three channels here, the 63-4. This is the gate of questions connected to the gate of answers. So basically, like, you don't know where these things come from. They come from you. When you have a center defined, it's being generated from within you. Contrary, I have the head and Ajna wide open. I have a harder time just sitting down and coming up with ideas all by myself. Although that's not hundred percent true. I do come up with ideas all the time, but like the, the process you go through is very different. Yours is like this um, steady stream. There's just this steady stream, just kind of constantly kind of just moving through. And if you want a question 
all you have to do is just apply a little bit of pressure or conscious or awareness to that stream. And then the question will come out. Same thing with the answers. There's like another parallel stream right next to the question stream. That's an answers stream. And all you have to do is apply a little bit of pressure, like the question um, to your answers stream and boom, this answer stream comes out. Whereas for me, I have to just trust that the right question will come at the right time from the universe. And I have to trust that the right answer will come at the right time from the universe. For me, I'm not supposed to figure things out. That's not like I will drive myself crazy trying to figure out what's going to happen next or how to do something um, when it's not the right time. You, you are designed to, to figure it out. You are literally designed to figure it out. And then through the 4323 channel, which is called the Freak to Genius channel, this is the, this is the channel that has the answer and then has to figure out how to communicate the answer in a way that will make sense to other people. If you don't apply some sort of structure to this new idea, this new answer, people aren't going to get it. And that's where it's like, you can either come off as like a total freak or you can come off as a total genius. It depends on a, how you are able to figure out that structure of that idea. And two are, this is a projected channel. So you have to wait to be invited to share this genius idea. If you don't wait to be invited to share it and you're just blurting these things out, like you said, you experienced this dichotomy, right? If you don't wait and you just blurt these things out, people are going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? You're weird. <laughs> be quiet or whatever, whatever you experienced as a child. And then you get slammed with this conditioning as a child because it wasn't recognized that this is what's happening for you. And you weren't guided to properly like explore what it's like to explain these ideas, but rather um, you don't make sense to us. Why don't you just be quiet? I'm, I'm assuming that's probably an experience you have had at least once. <laughs> We're taking a quick break from this episode to talk about the magic of self-worth coaching sessions. All of my self-worth coaching sessions are individualized and personalized to meet you where you are. This is really about finding you where you are in your journey of healing your self-worth and building your self-worth, as well as undoing the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy. And we really do a deep dive into how you're feeling right now and the thoughts and habits that are going on within your mindset that are continuing the patterns that you're living over and over again. Because a lot of us come from difficult or traumatic backgrounds, these sessions are not built for you to revisit your trauma or to talk about all of your most painful memories. Of course, I'm always here to hold space for you if that is what you need to do, but life coaching isn't about diving into the past. It's about meeting you where you are and seeing what we can do to make little tweaks to move forward. One of the biggest pillars of my coaching sessions as well is that you are the expert on your own life, meaning that this isn't about me telling you what to do or telling you how to live or the changes you need to make. What we're doing together is working on your mindset and building up certain habits 
or thought patterns that allow you to communicate with yourself, to deepen your self-trust, and to follow your own intuition. And the difference between a self-worth coaching session with me and a session with a different life coach is that I understand the black sheep experience and I understand what it's like to go through life being raised as a South Asian woman or femme. Our experiences are unique and it can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to a coach or to a therapist how our family systems work. But my biggest passion is helping you see that no matter where you came from or what kind of family you were raised in, you absolutely deserve to be loved, seen, and heard. Your first coaching session is always available at a discount. You can learn more about self-worth coaching at my website, www.bettygrewup.com. That's B-E-T-I grewup.com. And if you'd like a payment plan for your intro session or for any other coaching sessions, just fill out the contact form on my website so that I can get back to you with more information and a payment plan that works for you. You can find my website linked below in the show notes. Now, back to our episode. think that's why I kept things in so much is there was definitely a time in my childhood even with like the culture shock of moving from Kenya to the U.S. and then like my parents and there's just so much information always being shown to me sometimes even before I had the chance to speak that was like that kind of energy or anything that's different isn't accepted. And getting that message in so many different ways forced me to basically be quiet for because I didn't want to be shamed or I didn't want to be outcasted more than I already felt, you know, but I think that's what made growing up so difficult and why like as a teenager, I was super creative and I was always doing all these things, but I couldn't really share it with anyone. And I know I definitely had like a lot of blockages, like in the throat area, especially like I just wasn't given the space to really share or express myself. And so now, you know, creating a a life where I've literally given myself space because no one else was going to give me space. So I had to do it myself, but I did it. And now I can say the things that I want to say. And I have a way to express the things that are on my mind, even if they don't make sense. And I think that idea of casting the line and just waiting to see who comes in has been really liberating instead of being frustrating because it's taken that pressure off to convince other people or to force other people or to be anything for anyone else and instead to just honor who I am and allow people to like be attracted through that and that's still like even that is definitely a journey especially from where I came from but I think it's slowly it's taken off these layers of like the burden that I talked about before and it's made it something where I feel liberated and expansive instead of where I feel like I have to like shove things back down or that I'm just going to be annoying to everyone around me and a lot of it also was because I was surrounded by people who just didn't get me, you know, and that's why I had to like start over, create a whole new life and a whole new space on the internet because I knew people like me existed. I just didn't know where they were physically. And so having this like platform has been amazing to connect with like the right people who just kind of find me and come my way and share their stories with me or who we end up working together. And like, it's 
just so I don't I, I don't even have the words to explain like how much it's just been life-saving for me yeah and that's that's what human design is here for and I think it can get a bad rap sometimes because in the uh Instagramification of these ideas uh the nuance gets lost and then people who find it like who are new to it and find it um can sometimes just take those little pieces and find them disempowering like I think some projectors can hear this wait for the invitation thing and be like I'm not waiting for anything that's that's taking my power away or you know something like that and I can totally feel that and understand how it can it can come across that way but if you really dive into it deeper and that's where just learning your type and your strategy and authority is it's it's harped upon in human design world is like master that stuff first master the strategy and authority first but also getting into the deeper aspects of your chart and seeing where you may be a projector but you also have some generated energies you also have maybe some manifested energies you have other there's these other pieces that um just like I said, nuance, it's all about nuance and going into the deeper layers and not just, it's not meant to be a one size fits all. It's meant to be a, if this little introductory piece at all lights you up, interests you, then let's take it deeper. Um, so yeah, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be that like validating, empowering. I know I felt validated as all heck when, like I said, learning about the, uh, the um, emotional wave was just like, oh, I don't need to respond under pressure in the moment. Oh, thank goodness. Because I never trusted myself enough to have the right answer in the moment. And I've been experimenting with this idea for the last three years, you know, literally even something that I feel so excited and I know I'm going to do it. I still wait anyways. And nine times out of 10, it's still the thing that I go with, but there have been times where I waited. If I just waited maybe a day or two, something literally a thousand times better came around or something happened with the other opportunity that if I had said yes to it already, it could have been not, not great. Like it could have been catastrophic. So um, it's really cool. And it's meant to be an experiment. It's meant to be something where you can take this information. It's not supposed to be your identity. Like the chart shows you kind of the potential of who you can become. It's not meant to be an identity of who you are. And that's where the idea of the types, um, it can get tricky because if you're out there feeling lost and feeling like you don't belong and you learn about this, you're like, oh, I'm a generator. Now I can identify as a generator and I can um, relate to everyone out there who's a generator. And now I feel like I'm a part of something. That's where it can it can get mm, a little dicey because this is meant to empower you to stand in your own individuality. 
as your own person. Um, so I feel like this has happened with astrology where people say, oh, well, I'm a Gemini. So I'm just like that. I, you know, I'm two faced. So whatever, or like they take the shadow side and then use that as the excuse for what, for their bad behavior, <laughs> you know, and that's not what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like, oh, well, I'm a manifesting generator. So I'm not supposed to commit to anything. That's not true. You're supposed to commit to the things that really freaking light you up. <laughs> and it takes a process of trying many things to get there, right? Knowing your type is important just to get an idea or a sense for your overall mechanics of how your aura works when it interacts with other people in the world. But it's not meant to be an identity. It's actually meant to be like, okay, I'm a projector and... I have a defined spleen and a defined root and I have split definition. Just like with astrology, yeah, I'm a Leo sun. I'm also an Aquarius moon and a Leo rising. And I got a stellium in Sagittarius. I got fire for days, you know, and, and I don't have any water in my chart. And like all these things starts, it's not just I'm a Leo, <laughs> you know, I'm not like you, know, like you can't just like say, oh, that person's a Leo because that's what Leo looks like or that's what a Leo acts like. It's glossing over the individual unique experience so whether it's with me or anybody else if you're interested in this stuff at all definitely get a one-on-one -on -one reading with someone so you can go deeper and then you were mentioned you you had a business coach who then took this information and put it through a business lens so that's what's great about this there's so much information in the system it can definitely be overwhelming and if you're really turned on by it you can get lost in it for a lifetime but if you could take it just like with tarot, like a spread that hones it into a lens to a specific moment in time, to a specific experience, now these cards actually mean more than if you were just, oh, what's the my card for the day? You know, the card for the, and that's great. And not to like downplay that at all. I pull cards for the day all the time. But when you're really going through something specific, it helps to have a more specific lens. I've been creating this uh, workshop that I'm premiering um, locally here in person and here in Syracuse next month. But I'm also going to do a online digital version in August called Boundaries by Design, where based on your chart, we look at, so all the places that are colored in in your chart, I'll share my screen again. So all the places that are colored in that are defined, that's who, like, who you are consistently expressing through your vehicle all the time the open places is where you're experiencing what other people are expressing you take it in and amplify it so through the open centers is where we typically start to experience difficulty with boundaries like here you have an open solar plexus you're going to experience and feel what other people are feeling and you're going to feel it 10 times greater than what they're actually experiencing and can then find yourself reacting and re-expressing that energy back out. That's where having the understanding of this on the energetic level can help you create better boundaries. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed by emotions, I take that as a cue to go to the bathroom remove myself from the experience. I, I give myself permission to relocate my physical being to a space where I can allow the feeling to move through my body, process it, and not, you know, be reflecting it to others who might, you know, then take in what I'm putting out. And then it just becomes this like, you know, never ending cycle, like the open identity center, you're going to take on 
the identity and the way that someone loves and respects themselves when you're around someone with this defined and you're going to take that in. So if you are around someone who really doesn't love themselves at all, you're going to feel that really, really strongly. And same thing with the open will center. And this is a center I've been studying a lot lately, especially in relation to um, the issues I've been going through with my mother. And I know my mother has this defined. And this is all about value and worth. And um, that's with your podcast and your work. I've been curious. I was really curious from the beginning. Did you have this open or defined? And then that's where we could look at your parents and say, ooh, interesting. I wonder if your mother has this defined. Or I wonder if your father has this defined. Or if them together have it defined. Um, because then their expression through this center is going to dictate a lot of your experience growing up around how you value yourself, how you find your own worth. And um, we have to decondition a lot of that. We have to empty a lot of that out and then redefine the wisdom. There's wisdom in all of these open centers. The wisdom of the open will is knowing what is truly valuable in life. So in my in my workshop, we're just going to mainly look at um, strategy, authority, and not self themes. And then um, afterwards, I'm going to be offering programs where we can deep dive into your open centers and basically create a framework for like these energetic boundaries that you can create and practice and kind of play with and adapt them to different situations in life and just learn to lean into them in moments where you feel pressure, moments where you feel like you have to decide or you have to kind of forget yourself in the moment because the pressure from an outside energy is there. So I was actually going to ask you before you were sharing that, like, is there any center that's connected to self-worth or like this understanding of yourself? What changes if someone has that area defined and what does that mean about their self-worth? So if you have it defined, so like I said, there's, there's a, uh, like a, a lower shadowier aspect, whether you have it defined or undefined. And then there's a higher, lighter, more enlightened aspect, whether you have it open or defined or undefined. It's all about you and your awareness that you bring to it. So just to preface, like there's no good or bad with defined or undefined. It's all just opportunity and all what you make with it. But, um, so when you have the will center defined, you are the kind of person who can make promises and actually fulfill them. Um, and this is something that when we're open in the center, we feel cult over culturally to like, make sure you keep your promises, right? That's a thing, right? And um, when you have it open, it's actually, you should be more cautious about making promises, you know, <laughs> be cautious and make sure you're using your strategy and authority. Make sure that you are responding in the moment. What, how does it feel in the moment if you're a generator or, or a manifesting generator for you? Were you invited to make this promise or are you making the promise just purely because you feel like you will gain some sort of sense of worth or prove your worth? That's the open feeling like you have to prove your worth when you're defined. 
you are here to prove your worth. You, you, and, and you're able to do it. <laughs> you know, um, when we have it undefined, we're not actually here to prove our worth. Our worth is inherent, and this is true for everyone, but our, our worth comes from the fact that we are part of the universe. When you have it defined, your worth comes from within you and you bring it out into the universe. It's all about the quality of the experience in that defined versus undefined. It's not that you don't have worth. It's just about kind of how you feel it, where it comes from. Um, people with the defined will, um, you know, there, there's, there's four gates in this center. There's only four energies in the center. And they all have to do with making promises, um, delegating resources. Um, finding value and um, and communal bonds. So things like handshake agreements are really, really um, binding for people that have this center divine. In human design, the, the terminology we use is the self theme or the not self theme. So basically the self theme is when you are in alignment and following your strategy authority, you will feel that true self feeling. And when you're not in alignment, when you're acting out of these feelings of lack or unworthiness or needing to prove yourself, that's the not self. So the not self of the undefined will is feeling like you have to prove yourself. The not self of the defined will is pushing yourself too far or not well thought out promises. You can have two people with the same human design chart that are living completely different lives, but it's about the way that they're expressing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it also sheds a light on why some people struggle with their self-worth so much more than others. And I think even with defined, like you said, there is kind of a shadow of self around self-worth with that experience as well. But definitely in my like self-worth journey, a lot of that shadow that I had to work through or find myself working through when I'm like triggered is the need to prove myself. And I think that idea, it ends up holding you back so much because instead of just embracing who you are or loving yourself, you get caught up in, in what do these people think about me and how can I make myself valuable to everyone else? And I think it leads to other shadows then like you know, people will love me when I do things for them, or people will love me when I make life easier for them, or whatever those thoughts are that we have. And then on top of that, with at least for me personally, that open identity center, taking other people's energy in and kind of having this natural way of like molding my energy to theirs, that can sometimes conflict with like the shadow of being a people pleaser. And it can also make it more difficult to separate yourself and say, I take my worth from myself or I take my worth from embracing this instead of like taking on their energy, thinking about what they're feeling, having that doubled or tripled within my own emotions and then focusing on, well, how can I mold myself so that they think I'm worthy or how can I mold myself mm -hmm. if I feel worthy in someone else's presence? And it sheds a really important light too, because I think regardless, the people you surround yourself with obviously are important and influence you a lot for anyone. But I think 
for projectors or for people who may have the same open centers that I have, it is so much more valuable to know that kind of information and to say, okay, I'm not crazy when I am around this person. Like I do tend to have more feelings that are a little bit darker, or I do tend to have, you know, this kind of emotion and understanding that and realizing it's not all on me to fix. Sometimes I just need to be around different people or sometimes like it's, I don't need to fix the other person either. I just need to distance myself or I need to find, like you said, a better way to create boundaries so that, because if my natural way of being is going to pull on their energy, then like that just gives me information to be more sensitive about that. Right. And about, and more conscious about who I'm around. And obviously there's situations where you can't always control that like work or things where you're just around certain people and, or even with our families, right? Like we were born into them. And as much as we can control if we're estranged or where we physically live as adults, like there's still some sort of connection or tie there. Right. And so that can be really daunting or sometimes even impossible to break because like your parents will still be your parents, even if you haven't talked to them in 20 years, you know? And so I think it just, it gives you, you can look at it through those two lenses. Like we were talking about, it either empowers you to make better and more informed decisions for yourself, or it can really kind of drag you down and make you feel like you don't have control or you don't have a way around it, but always it's a matter of perspective and a matter of, you know, being compassionate with yourself and coaching yourself through it or having someone help you do that. And then getting to a place where you realize like, I do have control over myself or over certain things. And I just need to organize my life basically around that so that I can make better decisions. And so I can be on my own side instead of working against myself all the time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So that open identity center is huge. Whether you're a projector or not any type, if you have the open identity center, your environment is hugely impactful on who you see yourself as. Um, both the people you surround yourself with, as you spoke of, and also your physical location. Everything from the city you live in to what part of the city you live in or town or country to what room you sleep in, in your house. Um, I mean, And you can pull in feng shui type concepts if you want to get really into like the home. Um, and uh, I also love like, being that you're a cancer, you know, you're a cancer son, the home's really important to you. And this, I want to pull this environment piece in. So in human design, in the chart, I'll go back to this on the screen here. You have these four arrows at the top. And one of them is environment, this top one here. And when it's pointed to the right, you have um, a more passive role in your environment. And when it's pointed to the left, you would have a more active role. So you have your unconscious arrows are both very passive. And your um, conscious arrows are both both very active. And so this this arrow here is that you play a passive role in your environment. Um, So your environment is based off of a combination of uh, certain gates in your chart, which we won't go into now. But basically, your environment comes out to be what's called the caves environment. And in that little... um, little quiz I sent you, um, you actually chose marketplace. And so I wanted to ask you like why you chose that one, but also a lot of your other answers are in alignment with the caves environment that like you, 
really want to be somewhere cozy at home. And the cave's environment really supports your open identity center. So I'm curious about the room you're sitting in right now, too. Can you see the door from where you're sitting? Yeah, I can. It's like right there. So (laughs) with the cave's environment, it's kind of about being in control of your environment, but it's a passive way. So it's basically you like to be like, for example, in a room where you can see the doorway, you can see where people are going to come in and out. And you can apply this in a more metaphorical sense to your life as well. But the idea that in a cave, there's only one way in and only one way out, and you get to control who comes in and who comes out versus like the idea of the marketplace. There's a lot going on in a marketplace. People are coming from all different directions and they are fun. I love markets. So I totally get it. But your ideal environment and the environment is meant to support the way that you um, bring in information and then um, bring stuff out into the universe as well. And it's most supportive for you to be in a cave-like environment. And also caves are meant to be comfy and cozy. And you also have a lot of tactile stuff in your chart too. So like I could, I can almost like see your, your environment around you, like having lots of really nice feeling silky things or fuzzy things or just soft, cozy is really, really important to you. Um, and it's not so much about a minimalist environment. Minimalist can actually feel almost like not as supportive, but more select, very select things in your environment that really feel good to you. Really, really feel good. If something doesn't feel good, something feels off in your environment, get rid of it. Get it out of there. Um, And I would also even maybe just suggest try experimenting with something where find a picture of a cave that's like a cool cave, like some cave that's got crystals in it in South America somewhere or something. Frame it and put it in your workspace where you see it all the time and just see, just see if anything changes. So that's the cool thing about like, you can go so deep with this, uh, with this human design stuff and then just experiment with it and try it. Maybe even find a cave that's in your area that you can go visit and ask yourself, how do I feel in here right now? And make it part of your data collection, your personal experiment and um, and stuff. So that combined with that open identity center, it's all about really, really curating your environment to be exactly how you want it. About the cave thing, it was so funny when I was looking at that question, I was like, is it true that the marketplace would be the best? But then the one thing that I knew, I was like, I do not want to be in the cave. That sounds terrifying. That's like, mm-hmm. no thing. You. And so I'm wondering like where where that came from because I definitely love like cozy environments. I love being my like in my own space. Everything else you said about the tactile thing is so true. Like I have the coziest blanket on my lap right now because I just love the way that certain things feel. Um I wore sweatpants to work like three out of four days this week. Like uh yeah, so I'm definitely like everything else made a lot of sense. I don't really know what it was about the the marketplace that seems like it fit. But I mean, again, I think growing up in Kenya and being around a lot of those places like feels kind of homey to me. And sometimes, obviously, like COVID has changed a lot of things. So it's not 
as relaxing to be around tons of people, but like, like there's always been that part of me that loves being alone around, like almost being invisible around people. And Mm. sometimes that's kind of like Mm. my cozy place is like, I just zone out and I let everyone else do whatever they're doing around me. But like, I'm not responsible for anyone and, and no one's checking on me or asking where I am. I can just zone out and be in this place and look at all the the fruit or like what I was like picturing myself in a fruit market or like a vegetable market, mm. like that being so like nourishing for the soul. Um, so I don't know. That's where that came up for me, but I think yeah. it is like cozy for me in a different way. What, what really just came to mind as you were speaking, that was um, again, this feeling, maybe feeling like you don't want to feel trapped. So in a cave, you might feel like, then this is this is the shadow side of it. This is the like allowing yourself to feel like you're being made to be a victim in the cave, but rather instead you get to be in control of the cave because there's only one way in and out. However, the idea of a marketplace can feel freeing because there's a million different directions you can go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe there's this aspect of like um safety that comes from the idea of being free to escape if something were to happen like it feels almost like a fight or flight kind of um influenced response possibly you know as well as markets are great I do I love them and I totally get it my environment is called shores and it's about being at a place where two opposing things meet so like land and water where they meet um, I'm not as much, I'm not as big on swimming in the ocean as I am just sitting there. I just want to be there looking at it. <laughs> I don't really care about the sand. I don't really care so much about being in the ocean, but being right there. And the conceptually, a shores environment is like being next to a window because it's where the outside meets the inside, you know, or bringing a plant into a room because a plant <laughs> doesn't, you know, plants belong outside essentially, you know, on a very, very surface level so exploring just the idea of the cave and really um yeah it's interesting I mean we could like I said I'm not a therapist so this is not this is gonna this that could potentially go way outside of the realms of um my scope but it's just a thought and that's just kind of like maybe on a very mammalian level even if there's no actual trauma just on a mammalian level it can feel like you don't want to feel trapped yeah I think it's more like I need to see the sky, even with what you were saying about windows. Like I love windows. I love looking outside of windows. Like before when I had full freedom to like set my room up, however, like in a dorm or something where like no one else is being affected by the space. It's literally just me. Um, I'd always have like my bed or some sort of furniture, like close to a window, just because like, it just made me feel good and it made me feel safe. And I think something about the sky, I don't know, it just makes me feel free and it makes me feel like expansive. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I think something about the cave when I was thinking about it too, it just felt very like cool and dark and like very hard and just like not comfortable. And so that's how I was picturing it in my mind. Um, but I've definitely also had like, like almost like attic, like rooms, or I used to live in a lot of different apartments that were converted from, like bigger houses into small different apartments and like those rooms always felt really cozy to me because they had windows but also had like 
slanted ceilings or like something kind of quirky and different about them that made it feel more enclosed. So I can see it like in terms of living inside a house or somewhere that's maybe a little bit more like safe, I guess, to my brain. Um, but something about the cave when I was picturing it, I was like, oh no, that looks like mm. dark, scary yeah. and damp and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I totally, totally feel that. So outside of that, I know you're creating this new workshop about boundaries. You have like one-on-one readings that you do. So can you share more about what you do in your offerings and how people can work with you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, I, in classic manifesting generator um, (laughs) form, I do a lot of different things. So right now I have um, two businesses. I have this one where I do readings and things like that. And I also am a eco-friendly, non-toxic residential house cleaner. I do high-end residential cleanings. And um, that's a whole other ball of wax. We could apply my human design to that whole lens too. But um, so I do my readings and I do my workshops kind of on the weekends and at nights. So right now my availability is I do one-on-one readings on Tuesday evenings and I do um, soul-centered tarot readings on Wednesday evenings. And my workshop, Boundaries by Design, I live in the Syracuse area, Syracuse, New York, and upstate. And we have a little spot called the Crescent Collective in Liverpool, New York. And it's this wonderful little collective membership space where there are classes like belly dance classes and yoga and uh, energy healing and a massage therapist. And we also have... um, psychic medium gallery events and really cool just all kinds of like witchy stuff and it's just a really great gathering space so I'm going to be hosting a workshop there on July 17th which is a Sunday um what I like to call Sunday church my version of church so it'll be like 10 a.m to noon we're going to talk about boundaries and what's right for you based on your energy and then for anybody that can't make it in person I will be offering the event in an online Zoom workshop. Uh, If you want to uh, attend that workshop online, um, because I think most of these listeners might not be in the Syracuse area, but if you want to attend it online, you can go to my Instagram page, which is at Anna with intention. And in the link in my bio, there's a workshop waitlist sign up link. Um, Or you can just kind of just keep your eyes and ears peeled. But I do have some emails that will be going out with registration information and dates and some journal prompts. And I'm also going to be posting another boundaries tarot spread in the next week or two. So um, yeah, that's where I'm typically most active is on Instagram. And I have a newsletter that you mentioned at the beginning that I send out once a month just kind of uh, as we shift from um, different astrological signs. And I just kind of highlight all the key dates to kind of just pay attention to with planetary movements and um, the lunar cycle and different things, as well as um, I do a collective tarot reading for everyone that reads the newsletter, basically for what card is going to guide us through that season, what kind of challenges may come up, what gifts may we may receive and then a general message from our guides. And, uh, and then sometimes I throw in uh, little tidbits on human design as well and stuff like that. So if you're interested in joining us in that little community too, it's nice. And there's a link for that in my link tree as well. So. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing in that um, 
workshop on boundaries sounds amazing. And of course, um, if you're listening, all of Anna's links will be in the show notes below. So yeah, I'm so excited for just all the work that you have coming up and everything that you've been doing. Like, I think that you just have a really interesting perspective on everything that you share. And honestly, I just love when Black Sheep do anything creative, which I feel like it's just so natural for us to find some sort of path that kind of goes against the grain and we kind of make our own way and doing whatever speaks true to us. And um, I don't know, I just, I'm like always inspired by anyone who's fully like beating to their own drum. Yeah, same, same. And that's why I feel like we uh, resonated and kind of gravitated towards each other. Um, Just seeing that reflection in each other. It's always, um, it's just so um, refreshing and nice to find someone in the online space completely randomly who you just vibe with. And I like it. (laughs) So thank you for reaching out and, uh, Yeah, I'm excited to uh, foster this relationship more further into the future. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much again for doing this podcast. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at B-E-T-I grew up. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well if you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below thank you again and i hope you have a beautiful week ahead